Hello and welcome to another installment of Bar Talk Podcast, bringing you everything you need to know about law via discussions, interviews, and news updates. Association Bar Talk Podcast. My name is Dave Summers, Executive Director of the Omaha Bar Association. I'm here today with Scott Hahn of Hightower Ref Law Firm. Hello, Scott. Hi, Dave. Scott, you are one of our recipients of the 2018 Champions of Law Award for your work in education, specifically uh, some of the work you've been doing on the Limited Scope Subcommittee um, with the State Bar, if I'm correct. That is correct, sir. Uh, tell me what is limited scope? So a lot of times we will get clients who will come in for services and they are, let's say for example, of a limited means um, income wise, or they will come in uh, in the middle of a case or towards the end of a case and they just present a situation um, to us that um, says to us and has said to them that they need assistance with a specific piece or a section of a case as opposed to a help with their case from start to finish. Uh, We've also have have clients who will come in with nothing done in a case but it be of low income or limited means and need as much help as they can get. So what limited scope allows us to do um, in Nebraska is to uh, enter into an agreement with that client to assist them with a uh, particular or a finite matter uh, with involved within their case. So say for example, the classic example is somebody needs to file for divorce. Well, in order to file for divorce, you need um, a complaint for dissolution and you know you will need to get them served some which way. Um, and we've assisted clients at the start of a case with that, with just the preparation of a complaint and the service on the other side. We have had clients who have a, uh, a temporary hearing scheduled and will need assistance with preparing for that hearing. So it allows us to just kind of look at a case and to break it up piecemeal and to give them a menu of the different things we can do for them in their case without ex- ex- um, accepting their case, extended representation and helping them with the scope of their case throughout where we can actually can, can break up pieces of their case. Um, we find that it's more affordable for clients um, it, it, it helps them some which way in their case with an attorney's assistance. Um, we found judges like it. We found other attorneys like it whenever we can do it for a client because just a little bit of representation beats none most of the time. Absolutely. Do you happen to know how long has this been going on in Nebraska, limited scope? You know, I would have to say I've, I've been chair now of the committee for um, limited school representation now. So I will be going into my second year. Um, I started chairing it in 2016 um, in the fall. Um, I, I think it has been in play in Nebraska for at least 10 years. Um, it was certainly has been in play since I graduated law school, and that was 2006, and I started practicing in 2007. Um, the YWCA, where I first um, was employed, the WCA now, uh, we also did some limited scope there too, um, but not as much because our services there were largely uh, of no charge to clients. So it was never never an issue with money there for clients. 
Um, but it's been at least been in play since I graduated school, and then I've been chairing the committee now for a couple years. And you hit on that it's something that the courts are really interested in getting out there to the public as an offering that the lawyers can do this service to help those who uh, would otherwise be doing it themselves and maybe messing up on their filings and everything like that? Yes, absolutely. I mean, um, a couple of judges in particular have been extremely helpful um, in talking to attorneys about limited scope process and talking to law students and talking to other um, attorneys about this process. Um, judge Otepka would be a judge that would uh, pop into mind um, on the district court. He's been extremely helpful in uh, talking to other lawyers about kind of what he would like to see in cases when he interacts with a pro se client and how much more of a benefit it is if there's an attorney sitting next to them at the witness table and not just that client. Because then the judge a lot of times has to wear a couple hats at the same time. He has to be the judge judging the case as a whole and also to a certain extent um, not providing legal advice but telling a client where they need to file something or telling them when something is due by um, and a lot of times it also falls on the bailiffs as well and bailiffs you know usually take it with a grain of salt and they're pretty happy to help uh, pro se unrepresented parties out as much as they can um, and they have less of an issue with kind of just helping clients out, unrepresented clients, telling them where to go. But yeah, certainly judges, whenever an attorney is involved, um, can get a lot more done in a case. It's much more efficiently handled, even as for that one limited piece as opposed to the entire case, for sure. Now, going out of order here, I should have asked this from the beginning, but yeah, uh, give us a little background on you. Um, where you're born, raised, schooling. Mm -hmm. Talk about the WCA. Talk a little bit about. All yes, that. absolutely. I uh, am from Omaha, Nebraska, and uh, Omaha native. Went to uh, Creighton undergrad, Creighton Law School, class of '06. Um, I actually started clerking in legal aid when I was in law school, um, and kind of got my footing there and cut my teeth a little bit, um, working with uh, low-income clients um, in an array of cases. There was a lots of family law issues, but we also did landlord and tenant disputes. Uh, we did property disputes. Um, we did uh, social security benefits. Um, and I did that uh, in law school as a clerk uh, and also at the legal clinic at Creighton. And then upon graduating uh, law school and passing the bar, uh, legal aid was actually my first job. I was actually there for about a year and a half and um, loved it. And then the um, YWCA at, at the time uh, had a, a contract, a kind of a working relationship with legal aid where they would provide an actual client attorney at the Y to assist um, the victims of domestic violence, usually with a family law matter, um, a divorce case, a custody case. 90% uh, of the clients were under the poverty level, so low income um, for the most part. And uh, my supervisor legal aid thought I'd be a great fit, thought I had um, the teeth for it, thought I um, had the right affect and temperament to um, work with that type of clientele. And I started at the YWCA, uh, believe it or not, back in 2008, wow. back in the fall. Uh, and I was there for almost uh, seven years. Um, 
became the Women's Center in 2011. Uh, we officially changed our name. Didn't really change a lot of the services. Uh, we did grow when I was there. Um, I was the only attorney for seven years. I had a paralegal. We added to the department somewhat, added to the agency. Um, I'm proud to see the agency is now moving to a larger um, location here in April, I think. Yeah, so those that's, new digs look really nice over in the Blackstone. <clears throat> very exciting times for the WCA, and I'm very happy for them. But uh, it was just time to you know take that next step um, professionally. Uh, and Susan Reff and I met back in 2010 through a bar association um, event activity. And... Uh, we stayed in touch over the years. We had some cases together. Uh, and then I met Tracy Hightower in, I would say, 2015 at the start uh, in a uh, protection order case. I can remember with her and Susan on the other side. And that's the first time I met Tracy. And then in the summer of 15, I was just kind of looking to take that next step and happen to run into Susan while I was at the, the clerk's office filing something because I was my uh, own paralegal for at least half the time at the WCA. And uh, she asked me what I was doing, and I said, "Well, I'm have my have my ears to the ground, and I'm just looking for el for what else is out there." And uh, she said, "Well, why don't you come have lunch with us?" And that was back in August of 2015, and I started at Hightower Ref in September. Wow! And here at the firm, what's your practice area? Uh, mostly family law, so we do family law, um, criminal defense work. Uh, Tracy and I do more of the family law piece. Susan does the criminal defense piece, but she also does family law as well. Uh, we have also just hired a couple of new associates who will be doing a little bit of both, I believe. Um, so it's extremely exciting times here at Hightower Ref. So, Absolutely. But I like to think it all started with me as the first associate, and <laughs> now we're just adding on more associates. So. Absolutely. Now, um, <clears throat> when you talk about limited scope representation, and new associates and, and some, some younger associates that are coming in. Is it something that newer attorneys should look at when they're looking at their practice and how to structure it is to maybe, you know, step step a little bit into family law cases doing limited scope? Is that something that you would suggest or is it for somebody who's really got a mastery of the area of practice first before they even consider getting in. Is, is there a, is there any guidance that, that you would give those new attorneys that are looking at limited scope? Because I think we've talked about it maybe from the Omaha Bar Association perspective as something, but I'm not sure if we're actually doing that correctly. Yes, no, that's a great question. I think that from an income standpoint, especially for uh, new practitioners to generate an um, income and a client base, you should certainly look at it. Uh, the risk is that, of course, you don't have any experience and you don't really know um, what you're doing unless you're working with another attorney or in a firm. So the risk is that you would, um, you would take on a, a piece of a case and you would start to work it and may not work it correctly. Mm -hmm. And then if you don't work that part of the case correctly, you may be setting the client up for failure later on. That would be the concern I have. Um, but I think that it it does help you as a new attorney to get your name out there, to start to build a clientele, uh, to start to generate income. Um, because one of the main reasons why people want limited scope, not the only one, but one of the main ones is it's more of a cost effective way uh, to practice law and to be represented in a case. Sure. Um, 
you know, in general, it's substantially cheaper than to hire somebody, uh, an attorney with a full retainer in place, extended representation, and then have to uh, to keep up a payment um, with that attorney throughout the case and maintain that retainer at a certain level or certain amount, or have to pay more into a retainer should you have to go to trial on a case. So I guess the answer to your question is yes, but with the conditions that it be done in the right types of cases, maybe with some, some supervision involved, um, surely not something you wanna you would like to take on on yourself. Sure. And obviously, if they have questions about how to, how to practice this way, they can contact you or other members of the committee? Absolutely. So one of the things we are doing this year is I'm working on um, uh, a limited skill practice manual for the bar and practitioners to use. Um, we've given uh, presentations now on a few occasions since I have been chair um, to the broader public, to law students, to attorneys about the ethics of limited scope, but we never have re really gone into um, the ins and outs and the do's and don'ts and how you can actually start a case limited scope and what you should look for as you, as you go along. So this practice manual is supposed to be just like a practical tips guide on how to do this type of law and how to work a case just in a limited area, limited scope, kind of what you need to watch out for, um, the types of agreements you want to enter into with a client before you even start working on their case, limited scope, how to properly withdraw from the court, from your, uh, your case once you take one on, limited scope. So that practice manual is uh, due out in the spring and it's a project that I'm working on now. That's great. That sounds like a, an incredible tool for the practitioners. Um, what, what, why do you do so much in the education realm of things, teaching other attorneys how to do this and, and helping them? What, what, what do you get out of it, Scott? <laughs> well, honestly, I've always kind of as another life out there or a job career, I always thought about teaching. Um, I've always found teaching really rewarding. Um, it's just not what I did first in life. I, I, I decided to go to law school. I majored in history. Uh, so you can either teach history or you can do something else once you study it. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's kind of one of those subjects where you need more education to do something else. And so I picked law school, liked it. Um, my mom's a teacher. Um, she has talked to me countless times about a second life in teaching, maybe changing up careers one day. Um, I've seen how much how rewarding it was to her. So I think it feeds into that a little bit more than anything else. It's just my like to my um, enjoyment I get with seeing people understand something that I'm explaining to them. Absolutely. Well, thank you for doing that. Um, I know that I've, I've learned a lot from you for about limited scope representation and also the work that WCA has done over the years as we've had conversations in the past. Um, and every time I talk to you, it seems like I learned something. So thank you for, Absolutely. for being that person uh, that, that educates others. Um, in the sense of the clients, potential clients out there, the public, um, we had talked a little bit before we started recording here that there is always an ongoing effort and maybe more so needed to educate the public about what limited scope is and what it's not. Because as we know, as practitioners, there's what people think they're getting from an attorney or should be getting from an attorney, what reality is, everything like that. So mm -hmm. making sure they understand 
what limited scope is um, fully before they agree to it, and then sure. there's a misunderstanding. So um, I guess that's an ongoing thing that you, you're working with with the committee, and, and hopefully we can also publicly educate the people out there through the attorneys as they're having those first interactions with the people, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so when I do a consult, just like we were talking about here today, um, before we started, I will always, if the facts are right in a case, present the option of doing something, um, just one piece of a case, limited scope. So if I think it's appropriate that I can take on a case that maybe towards the end and the, and the client could be looking to just prepare the decree and not, um, parenting plan, then that's something that I will uh, propose that we could do for them. Limited scope. If it's something that is maybe in the middle of their case, like a temporary hearing they have to get ready for and prepare affidavits, I'll offer, hey, we do this limited scope and here's and here's what that is. Um, of course, the pitfall with that is that you can start to stray outside of the scope of representation or creep as we call it and the scope creep is real because once you start talking with clients about other pieces of their case besides the ones that you were retained for then technically you are now representing those clients in those new issues in their case that's so tough though because to tell them what you're doing there and what you're not doing you do have to talk about the other things right you, you need to let them know what's coming so that they're prepared for it and not feeling like you didn't tell them what was was coming. So that's that's a difficult line. It is, and it's one of the challenges we have in this practice area is because you wear so many hats in a case, and sometimes you got to put on another hat. Sometimes you have to be a counselor to a client without having a degree for it. Sometimes you are an attorney. You know, sometimes you are. Uh, I, I would say talking to them more as a friend. I mean, see, so there there are a lot of hats you have to wear, and these types of the types of matters we work with, the cases we deal with um, in the family law arena, uh, don't fit neat inside a box with just a set number of facts and no changing circumstances throughout the case. And I've always got to remind myself of that that I'm sending somebody out there to follow something and to incorporate into their life and something that they have to look at, I think, multiple times a week. A parenting plan, a decree, a court order, to really like to guide their life. And when you think about that as an attorney, that that's what you're handing that client after a hearing or after trial, it's a little, it's a little scary. It's a little intimidating that, you know, you did it right for them, you got it right, you explained things correctly to them, and you're not setting them up for failure. So. Yeah, to just represent client a client in one piece of a case can be risky because maybe you're not telling them the whole story and maybe you are leaving things out because you're doing something limited scope. Right. And you are signing an agreement, a, um, a contract that this is all I'm going to assist you with. And I'm not going to talk about these other things that I'd otherwise talk with any client about. So we're talking about family law mostly when it comes to a limited scope representation. Mm -hmm. Because that's the majority of engagements for limited scope are done in the family law world, correct? Right. At, at least that's how we, we practice it, for right. sure. Even though, <laughs> I guess what we're kind of talking about here in some respects, it lends itself to being easier to engage in other, you know, kind of a flat fee, limited scope. It works in other areas of practice, maybe simpler, 
And family law is probably the most complex way to say, we're just going to do this part of it. But the reality is, is that you have people of limited means or people who want to just have legal help for a portion. A lot of that does come in the family law. So it's, it's a, it's a round peg in a square hole or kind of, yeah, it is kind of a double edged sword. We're not practicing. This isn't the perfect practice area for limited scope. There is more transactional law out there that might lend itself uh, much more well to limited scope. Uh, reviewing a contract, reviewing deeds, preparing wills, all those things that we just don't practice here because um, our specialties are in the family law area and criminal uh, work. So yes, that is a great point. There are other practice areas where this could be maybe a more well used and more applicable um, that we just don't do. And so, yeah, for, for the type of practice areas that we have, it doesn't lend itself as well to as if you're preparing somebody's will. But the reviewing. demand is out there for sure. The, the demand is absolutely out there for all that work. Um, and I, I wish we had more statistics on what attorneys in other practice areas are doing this type of work. And I don't, we just don't right now. Um, what, uh, let's, let's round you out a little bit more here, Scott. So, yeah. uh, what do you like to do? What are your hobbies? What do you like to do in your spare time? Uh, I love traveling. Um, I'm going a couple places coming up here in March. I'm going to Colorado nice. at the start. Uh, it's actually a bookend month and then I'm going to, to DC for an entire week at the end. Um, never been to DC. Oh, Ama- to do. Amazingly, I've lived here. My I've lived in this country almost forty years and never been to D.C. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that being an entire week just uh, heading out with a friend. But he's going to be preoccupied at a conference, and I'm going to have every day to myself. That's yeah. There's so much to do in D.C. Uh, you will love it. I'll send you a list of things for sure. Uh, Thank you. It's it, yeah. It's it's a fun city to visit. That's for sure. It, it, Maybe a little bit less fun to live in. <laughs> that's kind of what I've heard <laughs> and work in, but it's it's fun to visit. It's 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 full of things to do. Um, yeah, I mean, I love great movies, yeah. good books, um, friends, going out, um, running when it when it's not you know <laughs> minus ten out today, right? Like, like it is, is today. <laughs> um, all that, all those things. Yeah. Um, have I missed anything on the limited scope? side of things that you want listeners to know about um do the, is is a room on the committee for some more people are there any specific events coming up that you want to plug or how can they get more information on limited scope uh well you can certainly email me i am on the bar website as the chair and all my contact information is there like i said our practice manual should be coming out sometime in either april may somewhere in that frame um, I will have, I will circulate the manual amongst my committee members for kind of a, a comment review time period where they can give me feedback on pieces of it. Then I would really like to have that manual out there, not only for other attorneys to refer to, but um, the general public and put it on the bar website, maybe the Omaha oh, Bar Association website, a yes. link to it. Because um, I think that. It's going to be a very practical manual. Um, it's not going to have a lot of legalese in it. It's not going to be a bankruptcy practice manual. It's not going to be technical like that where you would need an attorney just to read it. 
it's going to be very uh, understandable um, and very applicable, very practical to people who don't have any legal training whatsoever. Um, and just kind of explaining what the differences are between, you know, here's what it looks like when you walk into an attorney's office looking at a typical um, fee agreement. And here's what you would look at when you're walking into an attorney's office who does something limited scope. And we're going to obviously emphasize the benefits of doing something limited scope for both the attorney and the client in this manual. And if we could make that public through your website, the bar's website, Hightower Ref Law's website, um, those would all be great places for the public to kind of get some more access to this practice area and just know that it's out there. Absolutely, and I'll even up the um, ante by saying, if you want to record a video, sort of, you know, an interaction, how it would be, you know, side by side, here's, here's what full representation looks like when you come in the office, here's the conversation that you have, and so, you know, when they try to visualize this, maybe sometimes it seems like people can't read the, the stuff as well as watching in a video, and um, so maybe if you want to do a video, we can shoot that together. I'd be happy to work on that um, because I, I find that sometimes those explanation videos work better in connecting with the public, um, even though it's the exact same stuff that you have written down. I, I think so. So if you want to do that, I'm, I'm happy to, to work on that too uh, because I think it's really important. So, um, well, that's great. Uh, Scott, thank you so much for your time. Uh, this is been great and thank you um, thanks for coming out and chatting looking forward to giving you the award next thursday for all the work you've done and hopefully that doesn't stop you from continuing to do the work that you're doing now that you've gotten no, recognition for it absolutely it's kind of like puts the emphasis on the need to do even more great. so that's, that's kind great. of how i look at it well thanks scott yeah thank you dave